Welcome to Awakenings Movement Podcast. Awakenings Movement is a community where dreamers become believers and believers become doers. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen. Okay, today there will be moments of listening and sharing. If you are uncomfortable, Mr. Fanfare is in the house. I'll give it up for Mr. Fanfare. <laughs> also known as Romy Rome. <laughs> <laughs> he came as Jerome to Devon's uh, Martin Lawrence party. It was great. It was great. He was the chillest Jerome ever, though. Um, Second Corinthians. So a lot of listening and a lot of sharing. So I challenge you to recognize, first and foremost, that you are in a room of people who are the advocates of what you are the advocates of, each other. We advocate for each other's own good, okay? So nobody's against you in the room. If you are against anyone in the room, you have permission to leave now. Everyone in the room, we're all for each other. Secondly, we're all for a deeper understanding of who God is in our lives, okay? So understand those two things as we listen and as we share today. Today, our worship is going to be a bit different. We recognize that we have a unique advantage as a worship. Some worship communities, we live in spaces that are huge, dynamic, certainly like below the Bible Belt. We live in mega churches, like most churches do, and uh, you can't really talk to people and connect with people, but we have an intimate, dynamic space of people, and we want to take advantage of you guys. And sometimes I believe that what you hear that you share with each other is more profound than what we say up here. And so I want us to be able to hear from each other today. Is that okay, guys? Yes. Great. Podcast listeners, shame you're not here. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 3, 16 through 18. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Whenever though they turned to face God as Moses did, And when God is personally present, a living spirit that contributing legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it. All of us, nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of his face. Lastly, and so. We're talking about becoming our deepest likeness, our purest likeness. And last week we talked about how to become your purest likeness, you must turn to face God, as the scripture says, as Moses did. And when we face God, as Moses did, the veil is removed. Last week we talked about the veil can be fear. What are some other things that can be the veil between us and God, between us uniquely turning and intimately turning to God? Some things that get in the way of us turning to God. Fe ego. ego, fear, ego. Deanie Weenie, TV, TV <laughs> which promotes ego, mistrust, and guilt. Yeah, yeah. What else? Any number of things can be the veil. 
But the Bible clearly communicates that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn straight down the middle. So all of the things in human incapacity that would keep us from human capacity through Christ have been torn straight down the middle. So when we turn to God, we face, as we turn to God, we face our purest likeness, our purest likeness. Your purest likeness is found by facing God. It makes you to spread wings. Let's read this part together. It makes you to what? Spread wings and soar run and walk with a new purity about life. Have you ever faced God in a situation where you could face no one else and you found a, a lift? You found that you were lifted, you were lighter than you were alone? Turn to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter, as a matter of fact, I have it. Is that okay if we read the same interpretation? Anybody against Eugene Peterson's interpretation? Do you think it's from hell? Okay, good, here we go. Ready, read. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. Stop right there. Isn't that live? So not just strength, but strength that's fresh. So not just food, but food that's what? You know there's a difference. Right? Okay. Ready? Read. They spread. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. You know, but those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. Turning to face God to find your purest likeness gives you the capacity to soar. And that's what I want to really talk about today. What it means to soar. I want to philosophically, as a philosopher, talk about what it means to soar. And then I want to practically, as a practitioner, talk about what it means to soar. I want to give you some practical steps that you could take in your personal life to technically and literally turn to face God and to soar. What does it mean to soar? Thank you so much for asking. Soar, maintain height in the air without flapping wings or using engine power. Don't you know sometimes we try to create our own soar in life? We try to soar above our problems with our own sense of human ingenuity, our own engines. And sometimes when we use our own engine to soar above our problems, our engines burn out at worst. At best, they run out of gas. And then I love how the interpretation says, this definition says, without flapping wings. Have you ever tried to soar above your problems or above impossibility and found that you just feel like you're just flapping your wings and you're so tired that you know you're going to crash very soon? Right? This is a day I want to invite you to discover a retreat for your wings, to discover a place of rest for your engine so that you can truly soar in those moments when you face what is impossible or when you face what is a problem. When you turn to face God and find your purest likeness, you will soar. But before we move any further, I want to see if there are any questions. Anybody have any questions? Any challenges? Anybody believe that turning to face God will not give them their purest likeness, but their worst likeness? Anybody believe that when they find their purest likeness that they won't soar? They'll drown. Anybody have any questions, any feedback? Come on, this is open. I, you know, I'll, let me sit down. I had a dream the other night that we were at Awakenings, and it was the same amount of people here, but that I was on like a huge, huge stage, and it was the most ridiculous thing ever. <laughs> it was like Lakewood stage, but y'all. You know what I mean? <laughs> like in this room, it was ridiculous. And I was like, that's the Holy Spirit. God, yes, come down. I'm, I'm, we're together, dude, right, okay? 
We're friends in this. If Jesus could be friends with the disciples, certainly I could be friends with you guys. If Jesus could talk about his challenges, certainly I could talk about y'all's with mine, y'all's with mine with y'all, and y'all's with me. Any questions? Okay, so no questions mean that you guys are ready. You're ready, right? Okay, so let's do this. Born in the womb and living in a box. We have the unique privilege as folklore film folklorist of recording the narrative and the, the passion and the possibility of a guy whose name is Robert Hodge. Y'all give it up for Robert Hodge. <laughs> I love this picture. I've never seen this smile on Robert's face. <laughs> that's like, dude, that, that, that's, a, that's a hearty smile right there. That's like unabashed, like absolutely no cool smile. <laughs> you know? Nikita, you see the smile all the time, but we don't see it often. <laughs> look at this face right there, look. No. <laughs> He's like, no, never again. Never again. <laughs> That's just for the Chronicle, baby. This was a, a photo featured in, in the Chronicle. Uh, but what I love about Rob is how he, as an artist, takes his artwork into the community, particularly spaces that are dilapidated, specifically on a corner where crime and murder was at its highest among other corners in the city. And he takes these dilapidated spaces and turns them into beauty boxes. So particularly this space is where walls have been torn down and he turned it into an outdoor gallery for the community, a gallery to reflect beauty, but also for the community to reflect on a time when it was rich and meaningful and passionate and powerful. This is another picture of it. And so if you can see, like this is some kind of plastic covering over this table so that rain, sleet, or snow, the community can come and experience this beauty box. And then throughout the month, he had different performances and you know, uh, he played movies and uh, there were talks, there were lectures out here. This dude turned what was a box into a womb for creativity. And so while we were featuring his story, uh, we were interviewing him the other day because Robert Hodge is gonna be featured in the next Folklore Films Festival. <laughs> along with three other amazing artists. The theme of this particular screening is gonna be how art can heal us. Uh, so there's, yeah, it's gonna be live. Anyway, uh, we're asking Robert to talk a bit about his motivation, his why for his art. And he said something profound that changed everything, right? And I want you to listen closely, if you would. He said, we wake up on a box, in boxes, in a box that we call a bed, a room, and a house. He said, we, then we get in a box that we call a car, and we drive to a building that is a box, and then we get in a box that we call an elevator, and we take it up to some floor that is a box, and then we sit down in a cubicle that is a what? Box. He said, we live our lives boxed in. He said, but I wanna be the kind of artist that can move in and out of different genres and mediums of art so that I can never be what? Boxed in because I was not born to live in a box. And I thought more about that, man, that, that quote has been haunting me. And I wanna ask you, dude, like, could you talk a bit more about that, if you don't mind? Like this whole anti-box living? Like, talk, just say anything about that.
being open with everything in life. And so um, that just came from me being frustrated when I had this corporate job. And I was like, man, I ain't working myself to death. Man. I'm, in, I'm in these boxes and resisting right. people that I don't want to do anymore. And so um, that's how they came about. It's just, it's just simply just looking at the world at a different perspective. And that perspective is like, I don't truly know who you are, man. You're multi-layered. You got a lot of things in you that I probably didn't see only one level of. So when that person is expressing that, you have to let them do that and just kind of be open with it. Or you don't have to be, but that's the way it would be great if people were. Because right. everybody, as you said, the things they aspire to or they're scared to go to the next level, they want to try something new. And it's only because they exist in a box that they're good in and people tell them you belong in that box. And so, um, so you could be good in a box but never great in your own life. And that's what we're talking about, like what it means to truly soar above the boxes, right? I want to begin, though, with one particular box that keeps us from living most meaningfully. That box is not corporate America. That box is not society. That box, my friends, is the mind. Don't you know that your mind creates boxes for how life should be and for where people should be in your life? that in no way connects to what God intends for your life. We walk around and we create boxes or frameworks for how life is, but it may be that your mind is just trying to do its job to create life to be more efficiently, but maybe your soul needs to speak louder. I truly believe that in the 21st century, we have allowed what should whisper to yell and what should yell to whisper. And one of the things that's yelling that should whisper more is the mind. Our minds are out of control, my friends, totally out of control. And we let our minds speak louder than our hearts far more often than we should. Your heart is screaming for the attention that you should bring to beauty in the world, but we are allowing our minds to scream to create boxes around our potential. I walked about the city this week, man, and I really challenged myself after hearing Robert say that to put nothing in a box, to allow my mind to put nothing in a box. So that when I saw a person I thought may say, think or believe a certain thing, I did not approach them by putting them in this box. I approached them by putting them in a womb. I said, you know what? We were born in wombs, yet we have approached life like it's a box. Think about a womb. A womb is amorphic. Danielle has a baby in her womb right now. Anybody else got a baby in their womb right now? Oh, I'm sorry, Charles has a... <laughs> no, he had to double check. No, he's, he's pretty sure there's not a baby in there. <laughs> but babies in the womb are suspended by embryonic fluid to create and to promote the best space in which they can what? Grow. If babies, if God created a box as a womb, can you imagine the limitation of growth possible? So think about the life that you are creating every day, the womb, which is the mind, that you are creating for your life all day, every day. Is your womb of a mind more like a box or more like a womb? Dennis Cisneros, is your mind a box or a womb? Yeah, choose. Well, see, that's me. Choose right now. That boy's like, it's a box womb. <laughs> you don't have to choose. You don't have to choose. Has anybody, does anybody know whether or not they're, they're my, yes? My, I told, I was telling Brother Benjamin, my mind is a, a, a organized system of boxes that no 
It's a series of boxes. Concentric boxes, yes. Boxes, anybody else? Yes. Your mind in your job is a box. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Courtney. What's in the box? Oh, your life is in the box. Your daily practice. Yeah, Rob. <laughs> and an artist shall lead them. I mean, everybody got some box. You know, you may have a box around your womb, <laughs> but you're in a box. But the Bible promises us that if we wait on God, and waiting on God is not just a waiting like, hmm, twiddling our thumbs away. It means to serve God, to wait on God like you wait on um, a person who's in a restaurant, right? If you wait on God, if you serve God with your thinking, if you think more about what you like around you that God loves, you will find your purest likeness. And when you do, what was a box becomes a womb. And what was once constraining can now create. I, I walked around do since... That conversation and I moved about the world making wounds where there were once boxes and do you know that I created much more suspension possibility for everything in life in other words babies in the womb are suspended by embryonic fluid don't you know that your life when we turn to God and when we wait on him and when we live life like him our lives can be suspended by the Holy Spirit that allows everything to be much more creative and less constraining. Life can be different today, my friends, if we allow the mind to become a womb, to soar, and stop flapping around with your mind. Stop trying to fix everything with our minds. Stop trying to create more engine work for our minds. Tell your mind to be quiet just a bit long enough for you to allow your soul to soar. So there's this guy, and uh, he brought about this revelatory experience for me, and it's called claustrophobia. And I, I call this movement in our talk um, soul, which is the purest likeness, your purest likeness, claustrophobia in a small mind. Um, and uh, his name is, is P.J. Morden, and I call him P.J. Morden in the small-minded. Some of you may or may not know P.J. Morden, but P.J. Morton is the only black dude in Maroon 5 who looks like he was photoshopped in. <laughs> and everybody's like, where, where the black dude come from? It was like that episode of Saturday Night Live when uh, uh, Eddie Murphy was, the was a, a member of the Beatles. Y'all remember that? <laughs> um, P.J. Morton is one of my favorite musical artists. P.J. Morton is the son of a, a preacher in New Orleans who's a big time preacher. P.J. Morton has chosen to pursue his creativity. He has not chosen to box his theology in the church. He believes that how he plays and what he plays, if it be pure music, is a way of ministering to the world without dogma. And so he does that, right? So he doesn't say, I'm a Christian this, I'm a Christian that, but he weaves intentionality, excellence, and expertise into the fabric of how he does what he does so that people say, oh my God, 
every time he plays. And when you see this boy play, atheists and ag agnostics and Catholics alike be like, Lord have mercy. This boy can play that piano and he can sing. However, he signed to um, Cash Money Records. <laughs> and uh, recently, he wrote a song as a plea. And I want you to hear this song, and I want you to listen to the words. He wrote a song as a plea. Rather than sending a lawyer to make this statement, he wrote a song and put it out, sending it to the executives of Cash Money Records. Listen closely, please. Sorry. Can y'all hear? Not quite street enough. Let me go. Guess what? Your soul sings that song to your mind all day. All day your soul is like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm claustrophobic up in this mug. Your mind is constraining the possibility that God is giving you to soar. This is your soul talking to your mind. And your soul is saying, you are limiting my wing capacity, the expansion of my wings. Would you mind making more room for me? So some of you may ask, well, Marlon, technically, how can we make more room for the mind. I'm happy that you asked. Your soul is your purest likeness. But the mind creates claustrophobia for your soul. The Bible says that we can mount up like wings of a what? And do what? 
when we turn and face who? We'll find the purest likeness of our soul. And you can live a life suspended from all suspicion. That's another thing I want to say. Ooh, man, I'm telling you all week, dude. All week, all week, all week. This, I experimented. And I said, I'm not going to walk into any store sus suspicious that I'm going to be discriminated against. I'm going to suspend suspicion the way a baby is suspended in the embryonic fluid of the womb. And I'm going to, through that suspension, create a sense of creation. I'm going to suspend suspicion. I'm going to suspend what? I'm going to suspend every suspicion that life is terrible and bad. Y'all know we have those suspicions, don't we? I, 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 I gather, I guess life is horrible. You know what I mean? And if you have that suspicion, your suspicion becomes a box that binds the creativity of your soul. I suspended that suspension. I have had many more creative experiences. God has given birth to so much more stuff this week, y'all, because I chose to soar. And to soar means to suspend suspicion that life is bad just long enough for God to create something out of your life. Soul, the purest likeness, is claustrophobic. Danielle's going to pass out some papers and we're going, Danielle's going to walk you through a psychological article that we've been using as a thread woven into the fabric of this experience because if we are to truly soar in the soul, what's keeping the soul from spreading its wings? The box of the what? The box of the what? Mind. The box of the mind. If we are to live out that Isaiah scripture and truly soar, we must soar above the suspicion that life is bad to explore the possibility of who God is. Good. This is, this is, this is a great question. Yes, Michelle. You know what I found? I found that I did not have to flap around with my words. I found that I could soar. Because you know you, you know what I used to think? I used to think that this was soaring. Like, ooh, I'm going to soar above all of my, I just want to just spread my wings and fly away. Right? I don't want to spread my wings and fly away anymore. That's not scriptural. The Bible says that when we are our purest likeness, we will what? Soar. Baby, this is soaring right here. So if my words be my limbs, sometimes we think this is what we got to do, to soar above suspicion. But no, it means this. It means using fewer words. Before we move into this, um, some of you may have heard me on the radio this morning. And um, when I first got the invitation to go on the radio, Marcus, I said, who's going to be on the show? Of course, you guys know Mar Marcus is a, is a beautiful atheist. He's a powerful, beautiful uh, atheist. I love, I love Marcus Davis. Um, he's almost but not quite atheist. And, uh, and then there's Dr. Penn, who's also another beautiful. I said, Marcus, dude, I really don't feel like him. I have so much to do. You guys are really good at talking about who God isn't, but I have so much to do for God. I really don't have time. He's like, please, man. He's like, please, come on, let's, let's just fight for a little bit. I was like, man, I'm, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to fight on the radio. I'm not going to do it, dude. Uh, some of you may or may not know this, but Dr. Penn was the person who invited me to speak at St. John's on the panel, which is where I first got, got connected with Bumby, on the panel with Dr. Freeman, where I ended up cussing on the stage. But the, you, oh, JR was there, he was so embarrassed. <laughs> oh, JJ, oh. No, see, the, the, JJ, look, the point was that Jesus, <laughs> you see? 
Um, so anyway, I told Dr. Penn I would be on that panel if he, had an, if he gave me an opportunity just to have lunch with him, because Dr. Penn at one point was a pastor and has now become an agnostic. And I was like, dude, I really believe that the message of Jesus has unique potential in your life. He's like, ha, whatever. He's like, let's just have lunch. We had lunch and we had a great conversation. So anyway, fast forward to, to last week when Marcus said, would you be on the show? I said, no. I said, but dude, I'm not going to fight. I was like, I'm not going to be against anybody on the show. I'm only going to talk about what I'm for. He's like, all right, you're going to get ate up. You know that, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, well. He's like, it's pen ready for you, man. I was like, okay. So when I got on the show, I got ate up. But, and, I cho after the show, uh, Marcus was like, you notice how I gave Dr. Penn the first and the last word, right? I was like, yeah. I was like, I did notice that. He's like, yeah, man, you got ate up. I was like, I didn't. I said, because I chose to soar above sus the suspicion that you guys wanted to eat me up. I uniquely believe that you guys wanted me there because you too believe that there is something missing from your life or from the conversation if me or the message of Jesus isn't there. Whether you resist it or not does not negate the fact that you thought that something was missing because you could have had that conversation without me. But you knew that something was missing and I didn't have to prove it to you. You see, my friends, we can soar above suspicion. But let me tell you how I did that before Danielle. Before I got on the show, I had a, I had a conversation with myself which is where we move into technically, Marlon, how do I soar and spread my wings beyond the box in my mind? I said, Marlon, first and foremost, you've done this before. You're not going to die when you, get, when you get ate up, you know? Because y'all know I love to argue. And I was like, Lord, please let me get on. I can, I can eat these boys up. You said, what? Oh, they kept out. It was so, it was tasty, man. I was like. <laughs> Yeah, right. I got eight up. And then, um, uh, so I said, Marlon, number one, I removed myself from the stress of the situation. I said, Marlon, this is just a show. Before I got on, Marlon, this is just a show. This isn't your life, right? That's the first thing. You remove yourself from the immediacy of the situation when you talk to yourself, right? Which is how we turn to our purest likeness in God, which you'll discover as Danielle comes. Second thing I said is, Marlon, this is your plan. Your plan is to talk about what you're for and not what you're against. Then the last thing I said, Marlon Fitzgerald Hall, you are a practitioner of putting your faith into action. And the things that you've said without words in the city of Houston through the restaurant that you guys created, through the films that you guys create, can speak louder than any words you'll say on this show. I had a conversation with myself that allowed my wings to expand beyond the borders of my own mind. First, distance yourself from the experience. Marlon Fitzgerald, and say your whole name. Then create a plan. Say your whole name. Then give yourself an affirmation. And I promise you, the will of God will meet you. You will turn to face God in these three ways. And you will soar above the negative suspicions that life is bad. And you will find beauty, blessings, and power. You can soar in the will of God. You can be your purest red tie-wearing likeness.